When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 153. Is it going to be 153, Mike? 153. Sounds, that sounds right. right. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it's 153, because this is a mystery episode, so I didn't do a traditional show note that Mike and I usually share. So mystery episode, if you don't know what that is, it's when I, or Mike, write the notes in secret, and then kind of go kind of interview style, but more or less it's, in this case, I'm the one that wrote the mystery episode, so I ask Mike questions, but he's completely unaware of what the notes are about, so we kind of get his uh, imp- impulse, I guess, impulsive decision. That's wrong. Uh, I just got my second vaccine, like, literally, like, a little while ago, so I feel like crap, so I'm gonna be, like, uh, we were just having a meeting, and I could feel myself, like, naturally getting angrier, because for some reason, whenever I get a cold, I just get angry, I don't know why that is, so, uh, if I'm irritable and angry, as I've probably already been on the phone with Mike, but since you guys are listening to this, and usually I'm not all pissed off, or at least I don't think I am, uh, I apologize, but, like, I'm starting to feel like crap, so let's get this show done, because I'm gonna go probably lay down. It might, it might just go away, though. This is like, the, this is, I don't know, this is how my body does it. It either bugs me forever or like, like, it's like this. It's like this. Here it is. I usually skip like 90% of colds, eh, 50% of colds. I know that's a big difference, but 50% of colds, let's say 50% of colds. But the ones that get in, my body's like, oh, we tried. And then it just doesn't try anymore. So <laughs> I'm like, I am like dead. I can't breathe. I'm coughing. It's, it's a disaster. So I realize this isn't a cold, but that's kind of what I'm feeling like. But whatever. Anyway. I forget the name of the episode. Oh, it is. See, this is going to be a disaster. All right. Name of the episode is Googling Tips for Developers. Um, If you want a reference for this episode, just type in how not to do a podcast when sick or you or you shouldn't do a podcast when sick. Something like that. Those type of search terms. Well, you'll find this episode. I'm Matt. (laughs) That's Mike. And this week will be. uh, This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a disaster. Like I'm already starting to feel sluggish. Like I'm, I'm a little bit angry now. Like just unnaturally it's yeah it's oh yeah i'm excited uh, i got a couple emails to send up to this too it's gonna be great it's gonna be good news um i'm at that's mike the mic's the one laughing i'm the one that's sick i'm matt and uh this week we're gonna be talking about googling tips for developers so how to how to brush up on those google's googling skills how to find stuff we're gonna talk about my process we're gonna get mike's impression and we have sort of three or four ish key areas that we'll be talking about and debating about now, if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, join us in your Discord server, or share this with your friends. And now, Mike, Googling. So one of the things that IT professionals kind of call themselves or what I've heard from IT professionals is that they're professional Googlers. And that's very much uh, that's very much the case uh, to an extent because there's just so much going on. And we'll touch on this in a bit, but there's just so much going on and so many different things that you know, everyone pulls out a manual, especially in like car mechanics, pull out manuals, this and that. So the manual for all IT stuff is Google. You go to Google, you look up what you're going to do, whatever. And it's the same thing for developers. There's so many tech out there. Like there's so many different pieces of tech out there that there's just no way you're going to be able to 
keep track of it all. So you Google everything. Now I'll get into the importance of like, you know, why that's okay. And you know, why we Google and like the difference between us Googling and like just a regular, say uh, like, like someone who's not in the field, like not a developer, someone like that, Googling the same concepts. We'll get into that in a bit, but I want to get into the, the process that I use to Google something and then I'll get Mike's impression on it. So the process usually goes, okay, I Google the issue directly. So first step, I Google the issue directly with full, but straight to the point, to be clear, straight to the point details. Okay. So for example, I'll Google something like can't set value in remote SQL database WordPress. And that issue would be something along the lines of I'm trying to use WordPress as like a headless CMS. For some reason, the SQL database that WordPress is using is remote. And I just can't like write when I try to write a blog, it doesn't write to the database for some reason or whatever is going on there. Now, if that search result, if that search search term, so can't set value in remote SQL database WordPress, if that comes up with nothing, okay, then I try and take the results uh, I that I that I did get, so whatever that actually did show up when I Googled that, and I try to steer the search. So for example, I'll do WordPress remote database, something along the lines. I try to take what I see and boil it down a bit, because you'll see stuff that's usually related, but like couple of tangents here and there and I try to like boil it down with what's there so I'll maybe maybe I got the word maybe I got the words remote data uh, WordPress remote database I see that a lot so I just want to google that those type of things I see that a lot in those first results then at this point I'll either start finding more about my issue right because I've kind of boiled it down or the search will be too broad since it, it has been boiled down so you have this weird side effect where, you know, you boil it down. You're like, OK, you know, I'm going to search the term that I see a lot in these forums, these Stack Overflow articles, and maybe I'll find more about this. And then I'll end up like zoning in on my issue. But because you've boiled it down, sometimes you'll get now get search results that are more broad and they're more, more like random. Like it's all tangents now, right? So if it's too broad at that point, I will then try different phrasing, OK, with different details. So, for example, I would rephrase the search to can't set value in remote database web. So I took WordPress out of there. I added some more details and I just put web because I want to see, I don't care whether you're using WordPress. I don't care whether you're using this. I don't care whether you're using that. I want to see what people are having issues with when they're trying to set a data data value in a remote database. I want to see what those people, what people are doing in general, just in general across the board. Okay. That's what I want to see. And then I'll be able to boil it down maybe myself from there. Now, if the worst happens at this point, and I'm still unable to find what I need, I'll start looking at the different search results from the previous searches. So all the previous searches that I just mentioned, and I'll read into the pages that start to approach my desired results. So stuff that isn't like a full tangent. I'll try to read into those, and I'll try to find more specific wording for my search. So this happens a lot when I'm completely new uh, to a concept and uh, don't know the jargon very well. So what I try to do is I say, okay, you know, I had my first result, which was direct, right? My very first search term was direct and had like a fair bit of, of uh, details in there. And then I boiled it down. I'm going to use that boiling down concept again, but I'm going to boil it down from the from a collection of the results that I'm getting from each of the searches that I've attempted. So I try maybe three, four searches this is, again, this is just a general process that changes as I go through and find different things. But I do three or four searches, still don't find anything. I take the results of those three or four searches. I then distill it down effectively, and I apply that boiling down procedure by reading through the different search results, 
that I find that are like kind of getting close there, seeing if I can find new terminology, seeing if I'm using the jargon correctly, see if I can find jargon that I should be searching. And then from that, I boil that down and I try to do, and I basically try this procedure for the most part again. Now, very rarely does, you know, doing like I do the distilling and then I boil it down to this, you know, second attempt at the process. Usually the first one gets it, or I realize at that point, okay, you know, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm going to have to reach out to somebody or I'm going to have to ask on Stack Overflow or ask somewhere or I'm going to have to contact support if I'm using, say, like a WordPress plugin or something. Like I'm going to have to do something about this because this is just not working. So with all of that, I know that's a lot, but with all that, Mike, does your process differ at all from this? Do you have any critiques about my process? No. Uh, so okay, so the, wait. No, wh- it doesn't differ, or no, okay, you have so no yeah, critiques. Let, let me let me explain. I my process is very very similar to what you do, almost exactly the same. Which is why I was listening. I was like, "Are you me?" And <laughs> and I thought I thought you did a really good job actually breaking it down because it's not easy to break it down with examples and show everyone how to how to do what like, essentially what we do. So it's, first of all, really interesting that our processes are almost exactly the same. I don't know why that is, uh, considering we never really worked in the same company, but I, I guess we worked in the same, like, you know, we did, we did the same courses and stuff like that. So, but still that we never were taught to do that. So that I found really interesting. And this, the second thing that really the only place that maybe it differs a little bit is I've lately, and this is something that I've maybe started doing the last year or so, I've started to get to the point where I ask for help a little bit quicker. So I don't do that last boiling down step anymore. Once I figure out that, hey, I'm not getting the results that I need with the language that I'm using, I'll go on, if it's if it's a library that I'm having an issue with, I'll go on their issues thread. If it's a framework or whatever, I'll try to find a, a Discord group for that framework. Like if it's WordPress, there's plenty of Discord groups out there that have WordPress help. And I'll ask the question there. And usually what happens when I ask the question there People will correct my language because like right. you said, it's the it's how we're wording the question that's not giving us the right results. Missing a missing a bit of jargon or it's not remote database, it's you know, dynamic database or something. You know, it's some sort of jargon that we're missing, right? That's usually what it comes down to. Usually, yes. It's some sort of weird jargon. It's some it's just a different parallel to a different kind of tech. Like it maybe it's not the remote database at all in this situation, and it's just like a WordPress function, and we're, we shouldn't be even talking about the data, but you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're not pointed in the right direction. That happens sometimes. It's just it's just the reality of, of uh, development. So when you go and ask for help, they usually, like, sometimes they'll give me the answer, and that's great. But nine out of ten times, what they'll do is they'll actually correct my wording. And sometimes they, they won't, like, know the answer. They won't be able to... Uh, point me in the direction of the actual answer, but they'll point me in the direction of the wording that I need to use. And then I'll go back to Google and do the exact same approach with the right wording. And usually that solves my problem. Um, so other than that, I think you broke down all the steps that one would take and the wording that you would use really well. The thing that I want to add to this a little bit is that there's a lot of um, Google is a really powerful tool and you know, using it to do searches is great. There's a lot of different kinds of key symbols and search operators that one can use to make it a little bit more clear. So if you're, for instance, doing your WordPress lookup 
and you don't want to hear about uh, what's another Joomla. Like maybe you do the WordPress and a bunch of Joomla <laughs> crap comes up. Like it's possible, whatever. I know you that's your. About, I know that's your favorite. You yeah, know, editor. Joomla. Ever. I hate Joomla, but regardless, like if if that's what your thing, if that's your thing, and you see a lot of Joomla come up, and you only want to see the WordPress, you can actually use a little dash, like a minus sign, and type put dash Joomla all in one, like no spacing, and it'll actually only give you results with WordPress in it. Or at least at least results that don't have Joomla, sorry. Yeah, filters Joomla away. Yeah, and there's a lot of different ways to use these different operators. There's an or operator, there's an at operator, uh, there's a hashtag, like a hashtag search kind of thing. There's there's so many of them. I'm just looking at one right now. I'll, I'll maybe uh, link it in the show notes when I create them. So it's just like there's a lot of tools at our disposal that Google gives us that Frankly, I don't use enough of, and I think I should start using more. I use them sometimes, but only when I get into like the deep weeds. But uh, maybe it's better for us to start like using them right away so that we get to the problem faster. And that, and that's a – I like the insight on the – when people help you, they're not usually – they don't know the exact – they don't know the exact uh, like solution usually because the thing is, is that again, with so many moving parts in tech, when somebody – if you bring up – you know, hey, I'm having trouble setting this, you know, this data in a remote database. Someone's going to be, you know, not doing that exact thing, but maybe they know of, hey, you know, my buddy had this glitch in WordPress, whatever version. And, and you know, hey, are you using WordPress, whatever? Like, are you using that version? Like, uh, that kind of sounds like this issue. So now you can go and Google, you know, WordPress 10 database bug or WordPress, whatever it is, right? Database bug. Uh, and and that really like kind of opens the door as well. And the thing is, is it, it also solidifies and and this is like it's the thing we're going to co- uh, cover at the end of this sort of topic. But it, it kind of solidifies, you know, why Googling is so important and why, you know, you understanding um, sort of jargon and you you Googling stuff is not a weakness, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, when you Google something and you understand what you're reading, you have to remember that most people don't understand at all what you're reading. Uh, so, and, and I don't want to get too much into that because I have like a little bit of a segment on that later on. Um, but that is something just to keep in mind is that, you know, if you're Googling a lot, I mean, okay, like, would you get mad at yourself because you were re- repeatedly referring to the instructions on how to put something together, like a piece of furniture? Like there's not a four, four time limit of like, you can look four times at the, at the instruction manual and then it just poofs like inspector gadget, you know, where he like throws the, <laughs> self-destructing message yeah. away or whatever like it's it doesn't just like poof all of a sudden like you you have the user manual you can refer to it and you can read it all night if you really want to so uh just something to keep in mind um now the second little piece here i want to go is, is talk about is how googling something actually goes beyond uh the solution to your problem so the goal of searching goes well beyond uh finding the solution to your problem as i just said and it expands your knowledge of the concept so that your future searches are better so that's really key is you know i'm talking about this distillation and like you know filtering things out and boiling things down and all this but you have to remember that this is actually a skill like googling and researching you know effectively that's what you're doing you're researching researching is a legitimate skill there's literally a fucking title out there a job title out there called researcher so, like, researching stuff is a skill, right? I want to, like, be really serious here when I say that you know, this people would just say, like, I'll oh, just Google that. Some stuff is very obvious to Google. You can Google something like, how do I change the oil in my car? And that's, like, you know, you, t- you take the – you do this, you do that. I don't, know what, I don't know how to do it. But, like, you take this out, you do this. Like, there's going to be a direct 
video. There's going to be some niches where some cars are different, but there's like an answer there. Or like, how does one clean a floor? Well, you could use a broom, a mop. Like there's some like direct questions, but there's some more, let's say like, you know, serious questions when you're when you're looking stuff up about remote databases and very specific things that are typically complex or within a comp- maybe a simple issue in a complex system. Researching and research skills is very important. So by Googling, you're expanding the knowledge of the of like of your of you are expanding, excuse me, your knowledge of the concept of the problem. You're expanding that. And that is actually going to be you're exercising your research skills. You're exercising that and you're going to learn more about it. And the thing is, is that you can use pieces of your research skill in other Googling Google searches. So here's an example. You're, let's say you're working on WordPress for one project and you're Googling WordPress like crazy. Then all of a sudden you got to leave and you're going to go and start using Joomla on something and you got to Google the hell out of Joomla. You might think, well, great, like I learned a whole bunch about how to Google WordPress and I learned a bunch about what the different jargon was with WordPress and how to look things up and what forms there are and what resources I have at my disposal. Well, I can't find that like like now all those skills are wasted because I'm on Joomla. That's not the case because you learned how to boil things down better. You learned how to distill things better. You maybe saw the odd Joomla thing in your WordPress searches like Mike was saying you like so there's there's parts of your research skills that transcend the topic you're 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 working on and there's like a subset of skills where you're going to be really good at googling or researching that one thing but that's natural right i mean if you went way back in the day and you were researching something and you were trying to like go to the library you know there's no internet you go to the library well if one if you're trying to research i don't know cheetahs just animals and you go to a library that is focused on human history i mean that's probably not the greatest resource for resource excuse me for cheetahs but if you go and you keep looking and seeking out and you find out that a zoo a local zoo has a museum and they have you know a bunch of different books on animals and the origins of the animals and all this stuff that's probably a better resource so you're going to be better at that subset of like animal research. But here's the kicker. Take it back. Let's say you stop that animal project. You stop researching that and you need to start researching planets for whatever reason. Let's just say this is all for school. Now you know that there are libraries that are going to be focused on different things. And now you know, maybe you have a directory now where you found that zoo, that zoo, um, uh, that zoo library, maybe there's a directory there. You found a directory of different libraries. Now you can refer to that. You see what I'm saying? Like you can transcend the, like your research skills will increase. Even if you're changing topic rapidly, your research skills will, will, will transcend what you're doing now. But you can really dig in if you just want to work on, say, WordPress. You can really dig in and learn all the best resources for WordPress, learn all the best search terms for WordPress. It really, really is up to you. But working on your research skills is important for the stuff you're looking at today and the stuff you're looking at tomorrow. And that, with that, I mentioned jargon a couple of times. You'll start learning the jargon. So if it's something that you just are brand new to, I'm learning Svelte right now. I haven't done it in a bit because I'm working on the site. But, you know, I'm learning Svelte right now. I don't know the jargon. I'm st- but as I started Googling, I'm starting to understand the jargon. And that's going to work its way into my searches. And that's going to work its way into my search results. And that's very important. So I actually understand what I'm typing in. Or if I'm Googling something, I find the solution. But the guy keeps using all these terms I don't understand. As I learn those terms, now more results for different issues down the road, I will understand those better. Now, you also may find, and Mike mentioned this to me, uh, months ago, 
is you may find new ways to do something that you already have working. These new ways may enhance your current or future projects. You might be setting uh, uh, a data, uh, or sorry, a piece of data in your database, like you're, I don't know, you're writing down someone's username in the database for some reason. Let's just be easy. So you want to take the name Matt, and that's your username, hooray. So you take the username Matt, and you want to write that to the database. You might be doing that, and it works, and it's totally fine, and it's great. It's 50 lines of code. For some reason, it's 50 lines of code. You might find someone else that did it in two. You might find someone else that did it in 70. You might find someone else that did it in 20. You might find someone else that did it securely, and maybe you're not. And you'll find this just as you go through, not even necessarily looking, because you're not Googling something that you that you necessarily got working, right? You're trying to find something else. But you might see somebody set in this, be like, hey, what is this guy doing here to, to set this to set this value? Oh, shit, this is more secure. Or, oh, damn, this is done in two lines. Like, mine's crazy. And so you're going to learn other things. And so, again, you're going to get, like, th- this is why research is so important because you're researching, your research is transcending, literally transcending the project you're working on. It's giving you research skills, but it's also giving you new, updated, or even maybe you're the person that has a better way to do it, but it's giving you a good look at how people are doing what you're doing so you can compare yourself to them. And this is especially important if you're a freelancer working solo, working in a small team versus, you know, bigger companies where people peer review your code, this and that. If you don't have that peer review process, you don't have a big team, that, that this is really important. And you might learn some very, very important skills without even looking for them. So that's why it's so important. Now, Mike, with all this being said, I know it's a big rant and all that, but it is important. How do you manage results that you found? This is like a bit of an uh, off left field, but it is related. How do you manage results that you found that you'd like to save for later? Now, obviously, bookmarks is the obvious choice, right? But they get buried super quickly. You just keep bookmarking everything. You're never going to find anything. So if you find, you know, just that perfect thread where this person's doing the exact project you're doing or whatever, you found some weird website that has all the user manuals for the thing that you specifically need for some reason. How do you keep, store, I don't know, document those resources? How do you keep those together so you can refer to them later? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, So the best way that I've done it, and I do it multiple different ways, I'll mention a few, but the best way I've done it is through Jira tasks. So like Jira management. So Usually what happens is in a regular project, someone makes a bug or someone makes a feature and you're you're working on a feature or a bug and there's some sort of issue, you have to Google it and you find a solution, you use that solution. What I like to do is then I like to document where I found that solution inside of that actual bug so that in the ah. future, I just add it as a comment or something like that as like, hey, I, I, I solved it using this, this, using this link. So in the future, it's tied directly to the function that I actually was trying to do. And honestly, that saved me a lot of time and it saved me a lot of uh, uh, like, you know, f- ways of finding that resource later on when I have to show it to someone else, like a team member or something like that. Like, hey, like, uh, you know, someone comes up and is like, hey, I, I'm running into this issue and I know I've solved it before. I don't remember exactly where I found that solution. So I go back, I look through the bugs and I find it and send it to them. So that's for sure the best way. Like you mentioned before. Uh, bookmarks. I still use bookmarks all the time for this. When I when I'm working on a new project, I create a new folder. I put it at the top of my bookmarks and in, in my other bookmarks in Chrome, 
at the top of that folder and I put I put like put it at the very top, whatever project I'm working on, if it's React View, whatever, I'll name it. And any resource that I find for that specific project, I'll throw it in that folder. So then it's not buried. Like you were saying, it's hard to manage. But if you do the folder structure, it's all good. I have another folder that's like that's called old projects. Once I'm finished with that project, I take that old projects, I take that project folder, I put it into old projects, and I'll do the same thing for a new project. So there is a little bit of management there. It's a little bit janky, sure, but at least it keeps everything kind of project-based and structured in some way. Because yes, for sure, bookmarks can get way out of hand to the point where you don't even use them. And I've had that situation a couple times where I put too many bookmarks, and then I literally is like, I'm never opening this because I I have to scroll about you know, five minutes to get to the bookmark that I need. So I, I went in one, like this was maybe like six months or, or seven months ago. And I literally organized my entire bookmarks folder, deleted like 90% of the ones that I don't use and made sure everything else was folder organized. Now I use them a lot more. And this is, this is great insight. Cause I actually thought you were going to say that you just use bookmarks or I thought maybe you were going to say you just like wrote it in a notes app or something, the, having it in the different like Jira tickets or the Jira tasks or whatever, like having it where you would, be using it and then like actually like being able to refer to that and probably, you know, depending on how your Jira is set up, like refer uh, that information to other people is like a really good idea. I didn't even think of that. Uh, the thing I always think of personally is um, I remember when we were going to start an IT company originally years ago, we were going to start an IT company. We were going to use this software called Spiceworks, Spiceworks, I think that's right. And it, <laughs> it was like, yeah, Spiceworks. And it was like a free IT um Maybe it still is. I don't know. Uh, I haven't checked up on it. But it was like a free like ticket software. And one of the things they had was a KB, a knowledge base like software. And I was thinking to myself, you know, this is a great resource. Like we should make our own, you know, KB, whatever, because for certain customers, maybe you have to install a hack for them because, you know, they don't want to buy a new computer. So you hack something together and then that's weird. Like that's a weird thing you did for them. That's not like a standard fix. So then if you hire somebody and they're like, hey, you know, Jim's in here and his laptop's broken, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I hacked that together with this, you know, so having the knowledge base there would be critical. And I always thought, you know, maybe I could just do my own knowledge base, which might still work. I've never done it, but my own knowledge base, but having like it in the the ticket, in the task, in the context uh, that you use it in is actually like, it sounds so obvious, but it's just something I was just always like, Oh, I'll just like have more bookmarks folders. I don't even know what my bookmark like what my bookmarks look like. If I wanted to refer to my bookmarks right now, I got like I got like a, a like a a server management bookmark like folder that I accidentally left on as default. So like everything's in there. Then I got some of my server management bookmark stuff like in somewhere else. Like it's a disaster. And so I can't even really use it. I just re-Google everything. So interesting. Interesting insights. And if you guys, the listener out there, have anything that you guys you know, use to keep track of your bookmarks to to keep those really good resources. Um, then you know, let us know. Also, I will say one small thing: I don't rely on the web for something that's very specific. So I have done this, where I literally leave myself notes in places where I know I would see them. I leave myself notes, like just a notepad, or uh, leave myself notes, uh, like literally in like a notepad, or I leave myself notes via actually printing the page not in not printing on paper printing the page to a pdf because i don't want to rely on a their server being up b that website being there forever or c the internet sometimes so i will actually print the page out if i know like oh man like this is a great table resource for all these commands for linux or something and you know i can find these commands all separately and i can find them piecemeal but like having them all together in this table this is great i'm going to print this and sometimes I just print it to PDF. I, I sometimes do the same thing, especially with like cheat sheets and hotkey commands and stuff like that. I'll oh, print yeah. it, I'll print them out until I learn them and then I'll just throw it out. 
Love it. It's great. Well, I just I just throw it. I don't print anything because I don't use printers. That's a story for another day. Um, so like I just like print a PDF and I like store it in like wherever, like a cloud thing or just my desktop if it's temporary or something. Uh, but yeah, um, we should probably tell the printer the printer story one day, Mike. But uh, maybe we'll do a web news <laughs> just on the printer story. <laughs> Stay tuned. Because any any let's just let we'll have a little teaser. Any like time Mike and Mike or I see. Uh, like a video or a GIF or whatever <laughs> of somebody breaking a printer, it kills me every time. Like, and we yeah. always send it to each other because it kills me every time. There's a reason for that. Yes. I think we'll, yeah, if you have any of those gifts, please send them our way. HTML, and never, HTML everything on Twitter. <laughs> never hire me to fix your printer. <laughs> Just don't hire me to fix your printer because you'll be buying another one. Um, okay. There, there's a teaser. <laughs> um, okay. Next thing. Googling stuff can have a negative connotation. We've touched on this a couple of times. This is that final segment I wanted to talk about. Googling stuff can have a negative connotation because you, quote unquote, don't already know, right, the stuff that you're working with. Like, hey, you should be a professional. You should know all this stuff. You went to school for this, like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that that's great and all. But, like, I didn't go to school to learn, like, how, like, I went from Apache to Nginx and then some sort of, like, firewall. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like we're already getting into the, into the shit here. Like, oh, but the firewall is blocking the VPN and, like, this isn't working. Or, like, NDP packets are being blocked. So, I had to sniff the traffic. Like, this is what IT does. And it's like, I didn't go to school for some crazy thing. I learned, went to school and we learned like via co-ops and via the school itself, like how to sniff traffic, how to check if the, like a, a, a device is working, how to port scan, how to like, like just talking about networking stuff. I'm just like, that's just networking. So think about this, right? Like you're making websites. You're a web developer. You're listening to this. You're probably a web developer. You're trying to get something to work and it just doesn't work. It could be a freaking IT issue. It could be literally a different department's problem. That's how complex tech is getting. Like it, it's all over the damn place. Things go down all the damn time. And, like, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, the general public, let's say, the people who are just like, hey, what the hell, like, you know, the, these websites go down, and, like, this is unacceptable, because we have, like, we'll, we'll, we'll have clients like that, where they're like, I demand zero downtime, it's, like, literally not possible, like, we're all human, like, everything is imperfect, we're also relying on, like, 14 systems, just for some basic website, because it's like, you're renting from this person, this person has a data center here, that ISP is here, there was construction in the area, maybe there was a tornado, like, it's ridiculous, right, like, you can't be like, all right, we have to have four data, you know, like, four data centers across the world, we need to have, like, 18 redundant links, this, I'm just talking about the networking, you know, we're not even talking about the site, what if the site has a problem where, like, RSS plugin breaks, and for some reason that crashes the site, like, so you can't promise, you can't promise zero downtime. Now, I realize this is kind of sounds like a tangent, but the point I'm trying to make is, is that there's so many weird, different, unique, uh, strange, or like, so, or like secure solutions where, you know, you can't go post your solution on a, uh, on a message board or on a forum because like you're doing it for a company and like they have an NDA or other, and other people haven't either. So like you're kind of on your own depending on how secure and how specific your setup is. So like there's so much intricacy in tech and in programming which is part of tech you know in every piece in every single piece that like you can't not research stuff we're also learning new things all the time all the time css grid was like i would say actually non-existent or virtually non-existent i haven't done like a history lesson in it when we first started making websites mike our web like our website company is not that old 
and like CSS grids out there running around now, and God knows what the next thing is going to be, right? Like, like this is you know, there's new tech, like stuff comes out, and so there's no way you're going to know everything. It's too complex. So Googling should not, should not have a negative connotation associated with it. The fact of the matter is, even the simplest website, the simplest website, literally like an index.html file, and that's it, has more than one moving part. You have hosting, you have firewalls, there's a data center somewhere, there's networking involved, there's DNS, you bought some, you bought a name from the registrar, which is maybe the same or not, you got to set up that DNS, you, uh, the DNS, like uh, the settings themselves, like all your A records, this and that, but you also got to choose where you want to have your name server, you got to make sure the host is there, you got to make sure that they have run- like running systems, maybe you need backups, or maybe they do it, like, it, like already, like just that index.html file website has like four or five, God knows how many else moving parts and a bunch of them you don't even know about usually. So there's that whole thing, right? You don't know what the data center's ISP is going to be because he's not going to tell you because it's, it's a security thing. You're going to be like, yo, man, like tell me your ISP and your like static IP, please. Like what? Get out of here. Like depending on what it is, like they have dedicated entry points for you to like remote in or for you to use their cPanel or whatever. They're not going to just tell you all their links. And what if one of those links goes down and it was critical? You would never know that, right? So, there's no way, there's no way is the point I'm trying to make for you to know everything about everything. The important part is that you know how to Google effectively, how to research effectively, and understand the results that you read. Most people don't even know what a database is. You're sitting here now, you don't know what a database is, that's fine, go figure it out and learn about that. But like a lot of tech professionals know what a database is. If you told someone who is totally outside of tech, I don't know, a gardener or something. I'm just trying to think of something that really doesn't use computers at all. A gardener or something like that. I'm just spitballing. And they're just like, they don't care about tech. They don't want to use it. Like they kind of use their phone and that's it, right? They don't know what a database is or chances are they don't know what a database is. If you tell them like SQL, they're going to be like, what? You know, but you do. And that's important. The point I'm trying to make here is that you know, you're not like lesser because you're Googling something over and over again. You read a sentence that includes the the phrase or the acronym, I guess, SQL, right? If you understand that, like you just used your, you just used your skill to understand that. You just used your skill to understand that. And you saying remote database, someone would be like remote, like what? Like literally people, people who don't use computers would think you're talking about a TV remote. Like there's a chance that they'll understand like remote database. Like what are you talking about? And it's like, no, I'm talking about like a database that's not here. Or like you say the cloud, they're like, huh? Like what? But you understand that. So like your skills are allowing you to Google. They're allowing you to research. It doesn't make you a lesser professional because you're looking stuff up. You're going to forget stuff. Even if you've done it for 10 years, you leave that job, you go do something that's slightly different, you're Googling different things for another 10 years, you come back to the first job after that 10 years, you got to re-Google everything, even if you did it every day for 10 years, because you're not going to remember, but you're going to be better at it, but you're, like better at Googling and have some muscle memory come back and things are going to get like jogged from your memory, but you're not going to remember everything. Like it's literally not possible. So that's just, that's just that. That's my point. You know, Googling should not have a negative connotation associated with it. Researching is literally a skill. It is actually a position that people have. There are researchers, like researchers did this, like medical researches and history research. God knows what. There's literally researchers. So you're kind of like a researcher. You're researching, but then you're doing like an actionable after that. So Mike, 
Okay, final question. Well, I guess it's kind of a double parter, but whatever. I'll just read it and we'll just we'll just tackle it. Do you have any comments about IT and tech people being professional Googlers? Any negative connotations? Do you think that there are any? What do you, what is your overall take on people saying, "Hey, I'm a professional Googler." That's almost like a badge of honor, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think Googling is a skill. I think not knowing everything is something that you should kind of strive to, in fact. I don't think you should memorize a bunch of useless crap like syntax of stuff that you don't use. Um, it's not it's not useful. It's just taking up space in your in your mind. You should absolutely rely on the fact that we have a massive infinite database available to ourselves. Like the internet, the internet is everything all of the time, right? Like that's that's what it is, and we should we as the people that are using it and creating for it should know how to then extract the information that we need when we need it. And I think that skill itself is absolutely an employable skill. You can get any job with that skill, essentially. A lot of people will like, you know, learn something in school and then go and do something completely different because they are able to learn so much just from being able to Google or learn from courses online or, you know, utilize the internet to its full potential. That is absolutely a badge of honor. I'm a huge supporter of the fact that you don't need to memorize absolutely every little thing. When you're learning something new, just figure out the concepts, get the syntax that you need right now and keep using that. If you're if you're working in an agency and you're working on WordPress or you're working on, on your own, working on WordPress, you'll learn the syntax as you go, 100%. Like you'll start memorizing little things here and there. There's no doubt about it. And that's fine. Great. But don't get down on yourself because all of a sudden you're forgetting like regular JavaScript syntax. Because you've learned it before, you'll learn it again quick, quicker this time. It's, it is like riding a bike. A lot of the time with this, with newer and older technologies, it's like you could you jump back on and you know where to go. And like Matt was saying before, the reason for that is that now you've learned how to Google it. Now you've learned what you should the, the like maybe not even like memorizing the jargon, but you've memorized you you have the workflow for getting to the answer quicker because you've done it so many times. So don't be afraid to Google. You're going to start off, you're going to suck at it, but then you're going to slowly get better like with any skill out there. That's kind of the key here. The other thing that I do want to mention uh, is there's like in, I don't know, research and history and stuff like that, there are such things called first party sources. So that's what I've been starting to use a lot more. And what is that reference to in web development or development in general? Well, that's like you know, documentation written by the creator. So if you're Googling something about React and you don't like, you want to learn the kind of the best practices, I kind of have started going to the documentation first before Google, if that makes sense. Because the documentation will show you how they want you to use it. And usually that's the best practice. And usually there's just a better and easier approach to it that they know. Whereas if you Google it first and you go to a random Stack Overflow article, you're going to get someone like me that just kind of inferred something out of the documentation and did it myself and put something on on like an answer for you. And a lot of the time, not every time, a lot of the time it's going to be a weird solution. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Matt mentioned it before. There's a million different ways to write something. It could be 70 lines. It could be two lines. But if the kind of the easier and more direct way is available to you 
through the documentation. And it's easier to find because you can just go to it, search in the documentation and find it quickly. There's, it, it takes a step away from, from needing to, you know, sift through a bunch of sources. So that's my, one of the other recommendations that I've started using recently is again, I'm learning how to utilize documentation to its full potential because that's the first party source. That's going to be your best bet for finding straightforward and simple solutions. After the, after the documentation fails, then I go on to Google. Um, yeah, I I don't, that's, that's really the only other thing I would say about Googling. And the thing, the thing too is, and and like, I, this is like a little bit of a story, but Michael probably remember this. We had a, an embedded like programming teacher in the last year of college in the last semester of college. And one of the things that he said was, you know, we're going to learn how to make core files. Now we're not going to make the whole core file. So what a core file is, just really brief. I'm not going to get really into it. But basically it's like, if you're trying to like control like a chip, like a microcontroller and you want to have like power turn off and on, on one of the pins, like one of the little, uh, like little spikes. If you're unaware, if you're not like super familiar with electronics, like the one, the little spikes that's on like the bottom of a chip, one of the metal little spikes. Um, it basically, it's like, if you want to like turn one off and on, it's like, okay, you have to like go into the, you have to like go into the chip and like start programming something around it so that like the chip understands, oh, I want it on, off, on, off when I click this button, right? And you can do it like directly, but what you actually do is write a core file, which is basically or core files with which is actually like a set of files that are like a driver. So he wrote a big set of core files for us. And it's something like, you know, we would say like, you know, pin one on, pin zero on, pin one off, pin zero off, stuff like that. The chip doesn't understand that he wrote like this, like really like this, this driver. So we wrote one little tiny piece of the driver just so we understood what core files were. One really one tiny piece of the core file. Right. And I'm doing, saying all this from memory and I've only done this once. So if I'm using some of the terminology wrong, I apologize. But the point of the matter is, is he said, you know, I researched how this particular because there's God knows how many chips out there in our ICs that we call them little microcontrollers, little microcontrollers. And he said, I, you know, I don't need to memorize how this chip works. I just need to know how my, how my core files work. So he says, I went in to the, to the documentation for this microcontroller. I figured out how to set the registers, I believe is what he said. So I figured out how to set the registers such that, you know, they would turn the pin off and on and do this and that. And I wrote the core files then. And then I immediately took that knowledge effectively. And I basically, basically threw it out of my brain. I now forget how to write these core files because I have them. I don't need to hold on to this core file information for this one random microcontroller, but I do need to know how to write core files for microcontrollers, like different ones, different ones in the future, different ones that are, will be, that will come up in, in, in my career or in, in, in saying that from his perspective. So in his career, and we needed to know that too. You know, we're using the AT mega 16, sometimes the AT mega 32, same chip, more Ram. Um, but or more memory, whatever. Uh, but the point of the matter is, is like there's tons of different chips out there, and like you need to have, you know, effectively these core files, or or you need to have this skill where you can write your own core files or write your own driver. It's basically a driver for these chips, so that you can in your programming simply just say pin one on, pin one off, pin one this, pin one that. It's almost like very loosely like. I want to say it's like kind of like JavaScript methods where you can just tell JavaScript to do something for you, like go through this array and then it like just goes and does it for you. Um, it's sort of something like that where you're like writing the driver so that you can just say LED one on, LED one off, pin one on, pin one off, whatever. Um, but the point of the matter is, is like he just threw that knowledge out of his head. 
like, oh, I learned this. I wrote this file. I saved it. You know, it's like backed up, whatever. Okay, it's done. I don't need this information anymore. I don't need it at all. I just am going to use the knowledge that I need now, which is like, I want to make this button turn this light on. And I'm just going to use my core files to do that. So even professionals who he was a professional in the field at like a very respectable company, um, that that's it. Like he even he did that. Even he threw knowledge away and he like looked it up. And so that would be a good example, I think, of Mike's sentiment, which is why I brought it up. I know it's long and ranty, but this would be a good sentiment of Mike's thing where like he was using the first party material. Right from uh, AVR or Atmel, I forget which one's the company, which one's the brand or whatever, but right from that company, the manufacturer, he learned how to write those registers and set the things up. He made the core files. He knew what he wanted his core files to do, set this, set that, do this, do that, detect this, detect that. He wrote those core files, throws the knowledge out, now uses the core files and that's it. And he can do that for you know virtually any chip out there or maybe any chip out there. And that's that's the end of it. You don't and you can't. You can't remember everything. It's just, it's too much. It's too much. And even professionals throw that knowledge out. And so that's my little, that's my little end bit. I don't know if you have any comments on that, Mike. I don't know if you remember that, but. Oh, I remember that really well, obviously. I think we've talked about it on the podcast a few times too. It just, that was a really good, uh, that really good advice from him and something that I did take to heart and. I kind of did go the other way a little bit where I stopped using documentation as much. And now I've gone back to that advice. And again, like, sure, you can do everything with with Google and that's fine. But it's just one of those little hacks that you can really benefit from. Whereas if you if you know how to read documentation, you don't need Google for certain things. And that'll accelerate your development. And not only that, it'll make it a lot easier for you to embrace newer technologies because the reality is there's some smaller libraries there's some smaller frameworks out there that perform like a specific task, right? Like a, you know, a specific dropdown that you need for a view application or something like some dropdown that can generate like a GIF or something. I don't know, some random crap. Uh, it can, it can do this. The chances of there being an answer on Google to that, to a specific problem in that specific library are almost zero. And there's like thousands and thousands and thousands of these libraries that you might need at some point in your life. So if you don't know how to read the documentation and utilize it, you might get lost and you might not be able to reach for those kinds of things that make your life easier sometimes. So it it is one of those skills that you got to learn. It's one of those things you got to get comfortable with, but it's something that I definitely think you should invest a little bit of time into. Absolutely. Research skills, 100%. Yes. 100%. Very important. Everyone uses them, like professionals to the newbies, everyone. So learn some research skills. (laughs) Um, now I think that really does conclude our episode. I've gone through all the segments. I've done the little, little questionnaires there. If you have anything else to add, Mike, now is the time. Cause I'm going to go lay down, go lay down, roll up the outro and lay yourself down. Um, <laughs> I've never heard anyone say <laughs> lay yourself down, yeah, lay that's yourself weird, that's a weird down, way to say please. It. Lay yourself like, down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sticking to it. Remember, we're on Patreon for comments like that. If you want more comments like that, remember on Patreon, that's patreon.com slash HTML things. Check out the tiers. Give that a go. Many thanks to our $3 tier patrons. Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on YouTube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design on LocalPathComputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on BlueBlackDigital.com. Chris from SelfMade Web Designer on SelfMadeWebDesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker on TheWebHacker.com. DL Ford from DLFord.io. Bib Hashdash from 9BlockMedia on 9BlockMedia.com. Jason from 
from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com, Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca, and Magnus from yesweb.se. Feel free to leave a comment or review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.